Hey guys, welcome to Right Way, a podcast where we give you insight to make informed decisions about your writing career. I'm your host, Rhea Fry, multi-published author and CEO and founder of Right Way. And I'm Joe Tower, writer, media producer, and Right Way's executive editor. On this podcast, Rhea and I will take an inside look at the publishing industry with honest and straightforward shop talk. So when you do get published, you'll know exactly what to do the right way. This is a Soul Fire production. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Right Way podcast. Today, one of our favorite days, top of November, we are doing coffee and trades. So I don't know what Joe, is that cold coffee? Uh, I'm doing an iced coffee from a local roaster here in Durango, Colorado. Amazing. We are also doing local roast lately. Uh, from you got to support your. You have right, to, especially right now. Yeah, we yeah. get we get ours at um, the farmers market, which is awesome. But oh. today we are talking about some of the best resources that we have found as writers to talk about craft, plot, structure, just all of the tools that you can have in your tool belt when you are thinking about crafting a book, whether that is fiction or nonfiction. So we're going to kind of go through some of our absolute favorite books today. Yeah, and I think we've been talking a lot about, uh, just an episode on how to write a bestseller, we've been talking a lot about like writing good material, we've been talking about, and we've been talking a lot about writer self-sufficiency. And not that we don't want you to go out and hire an editor, uh, not that we <laughs> right. don't want you to hire us, yeah. but uh, you know, uh, for the, especially since we're in, we're in here, my adornless uh, digs, um, <laughs> character list, uh, we want to make sure that we we possess the tools, we possess the resources right there at our computer, right there at the manuscript, where we can make adjustments and answer our own questions. Yeah, and I mean, I, I've never been one. I mean, even though we both went to Columbia and Chicago for um, creative writing, I've been so resistant to books like these. Like, I don't like reading books on craft because, I don't know, for some reason, I feel like it it doesn't allow room for my own process, but having just a few that you can go back to again and again and again, that aren't gimmicky, that aren't, you know, trying to introduce some new concepts, but really have like tried and true strategies. Um, I mean, I, as you'll see, uh, <laughs> some of these are so beat up and they're so old because I've had them so long and can, it can constantly and because you've go used back. them because, because I've used them. them. I've gone back to them over and over again and, I can really troubleshoot issues and, and get a fresh perspective. Well, and I do, I, let's, uh, I definitely want to hear what yours are, but I do want to get back to this, uh, like in a little bit, this idea of there being sort of in this particular arsenal for the writer. I, I, I think there's a, di right, because there's like sort of two different kind of resources. I think there are those craft books that um, are sort of motivating that yeah. are like, here are ways to conquer writer's block or whatever. Sure, sure. And then there are some other resource books that really sort of address, like you were saying, like plot structure, or maybe they address issues of a particular genre. So I think it's interesting to see what we favor or what people favor or what we recommend based on that sort of division as well. Yeah, I mean, it's kind I mean, of like- I'm hesitant too, but like yeah. um, about books like this, but, um, and I definitely favor one over the other, one kind over the other. But I do think there are there are different right. types. 
And, and the books we're going to talk about today, I mean, they're not filler fluff material. Like I feel like a lot of self-help books on the market are very, you know, like I'm going to tell you how to do this. And then you never get to the thing. You can ever. do it, writer. <laughs> no, but this is like breaking down uh, the most efficient ways to just hack your, your issues or set your book up for success, whether it yeah. is a genre fiction or a business book. So right. a lot of these kind of cross genres, uh, which I think is really cool. And the first one, and again, I know some of our listeners might roll their eyes because I talk about this book a lot, but Save the Cat writes a novel by Jessica Brody, which yeah. is based on Save the Cat screenplay methodology. It is truly such a comprehensive book. I mean, no matter what genre you're writing, the way that she lays it out and makes it so succinct for your genre, like a lot of books don't do that. You, you might, you know, there's like one tried and true um, methodology that you would apply to it. This breaks it down, whether you're writing YA, whether you're yeah. writing suspense mystery, whether you're writing literary fiction, and you can only focus on this like 10 pages of that little subset of your genre to get to, oh my God, this is exactly how I need to start my book, move through my book. Now, Joe and I always say like, this is just a blueprint. It's a roadmap. It doesn't mean that you can't apply your own process. But if you are one of the millions of people who feel very overwhelmed when they sit down to write a book and they're like, fuck, where do I, where do I start? Sometimes having just this quick little refresher can completely put you at ease and actually give you something to follow if you're not willing to sit down and write an outline by going back to books like this you can actually kind of read glean what you need to and then get to work well and on the note of that particular approach uh, it, you know as Rhea said it is based on uh, save the cat the save the cat formula by Blake that was created by Blake Snyder for screenwriting but I again I think um, you know like it's, they're very different mediums, obviously, but I think apples and oranges when it, when it comes to the approach. Like, I think one of the things that both these books do really well, we crib from, from both of these for our method, methodology when we approach uh, book outlining is that I think that, you know, people laugh that the Save the Cat method is a little bit right by numbers, like a little bit paint mm -hmm. by numbers for screenwriting, which, okay. But at least <laughs> but when works. you go, when you, at least when you go into paint by numbers, you've got a plan. There's a plan in place. And I think right. in particular, the thing that these two books do so well is they really give writers, uh, really give writers a plan going, going into the process. Definitely. And I mean, a plan is, as we've been talking about, though we talk a lot about the industry, you know, <laughs> the book is still the most important thing. I mean, yeah. the writing, if you don't have that, then you know, you're not going to have a, a lot else. I mean, we talk yeah. so much about getting published, how to get published, uh, you know, editing, proofreading, pitching. But if you don't have a solid handle on your craft, then, you know, all bets are off kind of. 100%. So another book. 110%. Yeah, 110%, 115%. Um, when I was in my writer's uh, group, you know, back when we used to meet in person with human beings, um, they recommended this amazing book called Story Genius by Lisa yeah. Crone. Um, she has another one, Wired for Story, that's also really amazing. But this one, um, Story Genius is really like how to use brain science to go beyond outlining, outlining and write a riveting novel. 
and again, this is a little bit more complex, I think, than Save the Cat Writes a Novel, but it is so full of information. And sometimes I think, you know, flipping to a chapter or flipping to a section that you're struggling with versus reading a whole book cover to cover, like this can be very overwhelming. I think if you dive into a process book and then you're like, oh fuck, maybe I don't do any of these things and I'm going to give up. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a great writer, but I think if you can kind of pick and choose like, okay, I want to want to study a little bit on the audience or, you know, my plot problems or whatever. This book is such a one-stop shop for that. Um, it's been out for a while, but always a go-to book, whether you're writing fiction or nonfiction. Well, and that's another one of those, that's definitely one of those component books that's def that's like, you know, where Save the Cat sort of deals with like structure overall. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, in particular with the, you know, the screenwriting approach, like the three act, three act structure as it, as it relates to, to screenwriting. This book is kind of like, these books like these are kind of more of like uh, really putting the, the microscopic lens on the process uh, so that you can, yeah, ways to like, I think, think about things you haven't thought of before, address issues you didn't know were going to come up, you know, yep. and I think that's why those books are so important to, to have by your desk side, because yep. You know, especially for the first time writer, you're going to encounter things or encounter issues or encounter considerations that you didn't have, like no one told you that you were going to have to deal with going No, No, I have a question for you specifically with, because I feel like you are better at like accessing these books than I am and outlining them. But say I'm a first time writer and I'm coming, you know, you know, I'm sitting down to write my book. Should I go through this book and apply this methodology while I'm writing or should I try to get a solid draft and then go back and like look at these books address certain issues like where in the process should you even bring in these types of tools and resources do you think well and tell me I mean you know tell me if you agree or disagree um, I know it's something that we talked about back in school um, because, you know, oh, so our, long ago. <laughs> oh, those many years ago. <laughs> it was, it was, uh, it was truly, truly, yeah. uh, depressingly. Um, 20 years. So, so don't, you don't have to say the number. Shit, it really is 20 years. Do we have yeah, this fucking sort of right. reunion or fucking, anything? <laughs> oh, we should that would have be a drink. So uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, let's do it. Um, virtual reunion. Screw this virtual nonsense. All right, fair enough. Fair right. enough. Um, so, so I think uh, you got to pick the right tool for the job, right? Right. So obviously, if if you're having an issue, like obviously you want to use an outlining book to outline. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. But but also like when you're in the draft and you encounter some, you know, an issue. I don't know, plot issue, character issue, um, how to deal with, you know, or or whatever consideration about audience or marketplace that you sure. like you realize in the moment you hadn't thought of and you want to address it right then um i think either one is fair as long as you're picking the right tool for the job the reason that i find approaches to writing specific approaches problematic mm -hmm. uh, yeah. and this this is why um maybe it's something that you want to look at after you've gotten a draft done right is you know a lot of like a lot of screenwriters will joke that like you can spot uh, a save the cat 
sure. play a mile sure. away. And we used to say this about, uh, you know, because uh, where we studied creative writing was a specific approach. Yes. And I used to say that if you set 10 novel manuscripts in front of me and two of them were written in our, at our, like, from story our- Story workshop method? Story <laughs> workshop method. Yeah. Uh, I'd be able to, I'd be able to spot them. Right. Um, and I think, I think that is the problematic issue is that then what happens to the writer voice? What happens to the author voice? What happens oh, to your natural exactly. inclination and your natural impulse? And this is stuff we tell clients, like, yep. follow your- impulse first we can yes. you know you, you can you can always address it later so i do think tackle shit in the moment sure if it's a planning if it's a plotting book obviously you want to like address that shit before you hit page one of, right. of, of rough draft but don't and you know these are great resources but i think you you said it when yeah. we started off it's like, don't let yourself get bogged down too much in somebody else's well somebody else's approach i think it's indicative of just our society in general we outsource everything we've stopped knowing how to trust ourselves not only as people <laughs> but when it comes to writing i mean i've really grappled with that i haven't talked too much about it on this show but every book that i've written every novel that i've written and and you know i'll preface this by saying that had a bit of insecurity around, you know, stepping away from fiction for 10 straight years, coming back mm -hmm. to it and thinking like, okay, I, I can write a book. And, and I didn't let my insecurities get the best of me. But since I wrote that first book, Not Her Daughter, because it was the only mm -hmm. idea that I had. And then I had to come up with books two, three, and four relatively rapidly. I've never gotten it quote unquote, right. The first time, the first draft, the second draft, Actually, this last book that I that I've written, my editor really loved it, and you know, Joe, you helped me so much with that book, and I felt really good about it. And then the head of my literary agency read it, and she hated it. I don't think my agent really likes it. Like, and the head of the agency was like, "Oh, well, I mean, it's not going to hurt your career, but like, we just need to get it right next time." And I think we're always thinking about, especially if you're published, you're always thinking about that next time and what comes next so that we're having less and less time to sit with our instincts, to sit with our stories, to mm. trust ourselves. The moment we run into an issue, yeah, we might go run and pick up one of these books. So there's such a, a delicate balance there between trusting yourself to get through something and then troubleshoot or have beta readers or bring in outside advice. But I think you've got to hone your your voice and know all your little little, you know, but I don't know, know all of okay. your habits. And I was talking to um, Hank Philippi Ryan, who's an author that I love. She's in her seventies. She is so accomplished, so amazing. She's a journalist, um, a news journalist, and she's won like 30 Emmys and is probably the most humble human being I've ever met. But she says when she's writing, I mean, she does not, not only does she not talk about her material, she doesn't show it to anyone. She does not, she is so private about that. And I think creating sacred spaces as writers, um, and I was just talking to Joe beforehand, like I'm actually gonna buy a tiny, <laughs> tiny home studio and drop it on the back of our acre lot because I, I don't have that sacred space. Not only not in my head, not in my home. And I've kind of forgotten like who I am as a writer. I fit it in here and there, but 
you know, no book is going to do that for me and do that work for me. So I think we've got to get back to the deep work and get back to really understanding our issues as writers, our strengths as writers, and protect that space before we outsource and try to, you know, fix whatever quote unquote problem we think exists in the first place. Well, and you, and you said it, I mean, talk about so, problematic. screw these books. <laughs> no, well, so you talk about problematic, but like, yeah. uh, if you're writing, if you're, if you're trying to course correct to get something right, um, or if someone is telling you to get it right, like mm -hmm. that's an issue because this is, it, that doesn't exist. And like these resources that we're laying out today and the, the books, uh, the books and approaches that Rhea and I are talking about on this episode are meant to help, are meant to yes, aid you. Totally. They're not meant to, Confuse they're not you, meant overwhelm no, you. <laughs> this is not a red pen situation because right. that doesn't exist in the type of work that we do. Absolutely. Hey guys, I just wanted to hop on here real quick uh, before we get back to the podcast. Um, I know you're probably sick of hearing my voice. I mean, I'm sick of hearing my voice, but uh, I would be remiss if I didn't bring you up to speed on this incredible service that we offer at Rightway. Um, called Submission Ready in Six Weeks. Uh, as many of you probably know or have heard, I mean, we, we, we yammer on about it all the time on the podcast, but statistically, 80% of people, 80% of you want to write a book, but 80% of you are not writing that book. So our question to you is, what's the problem? Maybe you want to, but you don't know how to get started. Maybe you thought about it, but you can't bring yourself to actually sit down and do it. Can't find the time, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe you've already done it, but you don't know what to do with it next. Well, for any one of these scenarios, Rightway has a turnkey solution. With our revolutionary new service, Submission Ready in Six Weeks, uh, our editorial staff walks with you lockstep through the process of ideation, conceptualization, writing, and editing your book in just six weeks. We use fundamental conceptualization techniques, a proprietary outline methodology, and we together approach writing your book with a clear roadmap, hitting specific goals, uh, specific word counts per day, and you receive daily real-time editorial feedback. So when the book is written, once the book is finished, it is done. It is ready. It is ready to be queried. It is ready to be submitted. And not only that, but we can also help you with that. With uh, our additional a la carte premium services, we can help you draft query letters. We can help you shop and pitch agents. Um, we can literally take you the length uh, and get your dream done in a month and a half. Um, this is uh, submission ready in six weeks. It's for our for our, our fiction department, um, and it is an incredible service that literally nobody else is doing. Um, and it's a service that you, you can only get that you can really only get it right way. So so check it out. Um, go to our website rightwayco.com um, under the fiction services. Uh, you can find the details, uh, the price points. You can also email. Uh, either Rhea or myself in particular, if you want to reach out and you have questions. Um, this is something that we always talk about, but to all of you, to the 80% of you out there that want to write a book that haven't yet, don't wait and write that book someday. Write it today and do it the right way with Right Way. So 
going forward after I just kind of negated this whole after show. You told me you know, the whole episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, this one is okay. So if you write genre, so I know a lot of people do write suspense. They write thrillers. They write you know whatever it is, historical fiction, fantasy. Um, this one I got and I love. It's by Jane Cleland and it's called Mastering Suspense Structure and Plot. Now, if you are a genre writer there are certain elements that you do have to hit at certain times. That's just yep. a fact. Like it's not, you know, you can do whatever you want, but if you are published, your book does need to hit certain elements at certain times. And I was really blown away by this book when, you know, I always assumed suspense, thriller, that meant something had to happen. And that was going to ratchet up the suspense, but actually it's just the anticipation of something happening. And that this book is like full of little tiny um, insights like that, that you might not have thought of when you're sitting down to write a story like this. So this one, I, I mean, I really got inspired. I didn't read the whole thing. I kind of, like I do with all these books, kind of flipping through it, um, but really talking about layering the unexpected onto the familiar and, and just really cool ways to do that. So really wonderful book. Well, and again, it's like if you are going to write, if you are going to write genre, like Rhea's absolutely right. Like that's, and you know, when we talk about hitting those marks, that's not only for marketability and to like help you get published, but that's also consideration of your audience. There, are, there is no fervor like uh, the genre readership. They love their 100%. shit and yeah. they like it a certain way. And and a book like that is is going to give you the tools and exercises to hit those marks so again definitely. it's there to help out but if you're going to write genre like definitely do your research on that definitely Completely. On that. Ooh, now now some of just these are such 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 fun books and i didn't know about them and i, I don't even remember where i heard about these i think from a friend but my husband daughter and i are trying to write a children's book just for fun just for shits and giggles and it's really, we're, we're writing a book <laughs> called Feeling Nuts, uh, and there are all these different nuts. There's Worry Walnut, Bashful Brazil Nut, Crazy Cash, well, no, not crazy. That's not PC, a PC term, but we, we like Jordan. illustrated. <laughs> we illustrated all of these different emotions. We're trying to, you know, show kids how to feel their feelings, especially during this time. And I was trying to think of like, ooh, what do I have that we could like look through, you know, all of the emotions and feelings. And I totally forgot I had these. They're incredible. I bought them in a, in a trio. But this first one is the Emotional Wound Thesaurus um, by Angela Ackerman and Becca Puglisi. And I mean, it goes through everything. So you could have, you know, being stalked, battling a mental disorder, becoming homeless for reasons beyond one's control. It gives you examples, basic needs often compromised by the wound, false beliefs that could be embraced, the character may fear, you know, a list of things, possible responses and results. Um, I mean, it is so comprehensive and gives you so many cool ideas for books. Uh, did the same thing, got one for the negative trait thesaurus. So, oh. which is really cool because when you're writing a character, you want them to be flawed. Uh, reading about a perfect character is boring. So this goes through, you know, tactless, timid, it's, it's alphabetical, nagging, lazy, possible causes of it, the definition of what that is, associated behaviors and attitudes, associated thoughts and emotions, the positive aspect of that attribute. Like, it is so cool and comprehensive. And one of the most 
interesting um, and useful books, I think. Um, and then the last one is the Emotion Thesaurus. Love this one. This is the one we actually use, but it goes through every single emotion that one can feel. Annoyance, euphoria, discouraged, depressed, resignation, shame. Um, and it gives the physical signals and behaviors, internal sensations, mental responses, um, acute or long-term term responses, signs that the emotion is being suppressed. So it really helps, I think, in creating such well-rounded characters. And I don't know, just because I feel like a lot of us when we write, not that we're writing the same person or the same character over and over again, but we kind of pull from what we are, we either know or are familiar with, but like perusing through different emotions, different wounds, different traits. I think sometimes that can really spark a new bout of inspiration. Well, these like, and this is what we were, what we sort of mentioned earlier before we got into some of these specific titles. It's like, this is one of those books that's more like a very direct resource. It's very it's, direct. Uh, so cool. And I used to have, I can't remember what I did with it. It's probably in storage somewhere, um, obviously since, since uh, the pandemic, but uh, I have a thesaurus of terms. Yes. So it's a thesaurus of uh, like, like apparel, uh, home decor, yeah. like, and lists all the, like you could look up a coat and like list, it lists all the different that. kinds of coats. It, I it want helps. that for verbs. I want that for verbs. Totally. Give me the, I, but I, the source rule. <laughs> I think it encourages us to get to the kind of specificity that's necessary for us to tell whatever story most clearly. Uh, because a lot of times, you know, if, if a story, an image, a scene, a character, whatever, is not yet fully galvanized, fully realized in your, in your mind's eye, I think maybe it's, sometimes it's good to have a little help. It's good to have a little prompt. It's good to have a little push. Good to have, like, get, good to take other things into consideration to try to foster that seeing a little bit. Absolutely. So I, I love books like that. I think, like, if you're going to have a writer's resource books, like, those are the real fine point tools, I Defin think. Definitely. And, you know, just in terms of inspiration, I was thinking of something we did not too long ago, and this sounds totally backwards if you're a writer, but it was so helpful. So my husband draws, my daughter draws and writes, and then I write, of course, and we swapped. So one morning I had to draw something. So my husband would like do half a drawing and I had to complete the other half. And then I found a prompt for him, just like a one sentence prompt that was super freaky and cool. And I wanted to write a story about it, but he had to write like a couple of pages for 15 minutes straight, just write that story. And ironically, when I read his story, I was like, ooh, I, I want to write this. Like, I want to I wanna do this. But I think sometimes when we are writers, we write, we read, we, you know, study how other writers do things. But sometimes, honestly, stepping away from that, trying your hand at something else creative can spark new ideas, yeah. new ways to approach the page or the problem. And I always say it, but getting space, sometimes not arming yourself. <laughs> with a shit ton of books or you know constantly talking about your your book or giving it to other people sometimes like it it really helps to to try your hand at something else or to just step away from it for a second i totally agree i've been using that as like a meditative technique like coloring oh god yes like shockingly so like and so i've been like of course then what i do is like as you know, as I'm like in the, in the process, I'm always, I'm always like relating it to writing. I'm like, 
oh, if, maybe if I approach writing like I'm approaching this fucking, you know, <laughs> picture of a dragon. Like, absolutely, that, you know, it, yeah. it's it's super helpful. But it, you know, I think you need, um, and uh, we talk about this a lot in, in marketing writing and and ideation, like the idea that doing something maybe that disconnects your body from that part of your brain, yes, whether it be taking a walk, walk, going for a run, doing whatever, or doing like some other kind of art for art's sake, yep. where you're maybe not, your heart isn't as invested in it. Exactly. You're not as worried about mastering drawing in the way yeah. you're worried about mastering writing. Exactly. So you're a little bit more carefree. You're a little bit more sort of free to experiment, free to fly. And that's something you can then take back to writing because that's yep. where a lot of the good shit is. So well, is. Tell, yeah. tell me this, uh, we got a lot of great titles and obviously there's a lot of great, like how to write, what to write. Don't ask me write. which one I would take with me. Are you gonna three. ask? Three, how about uh, three? Three, Desert Island. You're of like, these? What is your writer's toolkit? Like what, what are the three books that you couldn't well, live I mean, without? What's so funny though, like I wouldn't take a resource book with me. I you would, would take, take a, a, a novel I, that inspires you. Somewhere. Yes, I would take probably nonfiction of some sort. Um, this one book has become my fucking favorite book. It's changed my entire life. It's called Outrageous Openness. Um, and it's all about surrender. Uh, but, I, but it's helped me so much creatively. Um, mm -hmm. But I don't, I mean, that's so crappy to say, but I wouldn't take one of these books with me. Uh, what would you take? <laughs> Uh, I mean, as in terms of resource books, uh, I really like, I remember I had a, I had, I was in a class with a writer who shall remain nameless. And, uh, he said that the, the greatest resource book of any writer is Aristotle's The Poetics. Uh, and that's all fine. Yeah. That book is so confusing. Yeah, and I'm, completely. I'm not smart enough to like get why it's important. Um, I, I really do like Anne Lamott's Bird by Bird. I, think. I do love it. And I but thought that I had that, but I- That, I, that book stripped the- I would take that book. That book is amazing. Yeah, that book stripped like the panic uh, of writing or the anxiety of writing away from me. Um, and I know that a lot of people say Stephen King's on writing, which I think is great. Um, also, it's not about writing, but Larry McMurtry's got a pretty great memoir about called Books. That's just oh, about awesome. like, I love books that. and writing. That I would take that. Yeah, that's, I mean, you know, and I, I know this. It's funny because I'm not a huge Ernest Hemingway fan, but A Movable Feast is puts me so in the pocket of wanting to write and, and just oh, probably because Paris is that, a place on earth. But I love that book. I actually return to that book most years. Like I'll just pick it up kind of go through it even if I don't read it all the way through but it is so inspiring to me and just takes me back to a simpler time and and gives me that freedom that I want I to think you make this is such an excellent point because on top of everything else on top of like getting specific about resource books and craft books and methodology books you've also you're hearkening back to like your like an earlier point which is a little bit like know yourself as a writer yes. what book is it that puts you in the pocket? Exactly, exactly. And I, it, to me, that's what I'm inspired by. Like these books are great tools that you can return to, but yeah, you want to feel something with them. Like I don't feel yeah. anything when I pick up a resource book, I'm going to get something from it. But to me as a writer, like that's what I return to. That's what I look for. I want to feel something that inspires me to want to sit down and write a book like that, you know? Yeah. Um, but speaking of like, helping people. The last two books 
that I always think you should have some version of this on you at all times if you're writing. Um, first of all, a dictionary, <laughs> like knowing how to spell if you need, or a thesaurus. Actually, I think I love, I use the thesaurus all the time. I'm such a verb person. I've been told like, dude, your, ver your verbs are awesome. Um, Wow, somebody yes. who's a good writer wouldn't say that. Would great, your verbs are awesome, <laughs> dude. Swear I've been told that verbatim. Um, but two books. So first one, uh, the Chicago Manual of Style. So a lot of people are like, "Oh, I suck at editing," or "I'm just, you know, not a great speller," or whatever. Or you're uncertain of a rule. Knowing the rules as a writer and being sure um, about editing. Editing is part of the job. Editing is such a huge part of writing. I think sometimes it's more important than being a good writer is learning how to self-edit. And this takes the guesswork out of it. Like, oh, should I, what should I do? Should I do a semicolon? Should I do a colon? Should I do a dash? And as we know, like Joe and I, two totally different editors, we could both look at the same thing edit it completely differently. Editing is very subjective. However, there are some hard and fast rules that you should definitely be aware of. Um, another one, the Associated Press style book. Um, yeah. You know, this is, this is actually on media law. Well, and I would actually suggest like when it comes to editing, like I might even suggest like having, not knowing, but like having all of those because anymore, like the rules are sort of like, uh, a mishmash yeah. of like all of those different approaches right. like Chicago manual AP yeah. Um, yeah definitely like consider that there's also a really good book by Dave King called self-editing for fiction writers yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's actually like not bad but an important one to have on your shelf for sure definitely and I mean I know a lot of people fiction writers more so than nonfiction, um, just assume that they're going to you know have an editor in-house or maybe outsource but the cleaner you can get that manuscript yourself. Um, especially to I, submit, man. <laughs> especially to submit. I mean, I always think it's so, you can be the best editor in the world and you give your work to an editor. Of course, they're always going to find something. And of course, they're there to make your work better. But I think getting really comfortable in that skill set and pushing yourself as an editor just makes you a better writer in general. Um, absolutely. So, you know, we've thrown a lot of like titles at you today. We're going to make sure that a list of all of these books are in the show notes for today's episode. Also, this is, will be the first time that you will not only be able to hear us, but hear us and see us, uh, on, see our, us. on our YouTube, uh, <laughs> our YouTube channel. This I, week. So, I have something so embarrassing. Like we were talking about this and doing YouTube. I have never, other than maybe like something crazy that my daughter or husband has shown me. I have never watched anything on YouTube. I don't. Shocking it. It's shocking. shocking. Right? I'm so, I'm like a 95 year old woman trapped in a 30, you're, almost you're 39 a year old body. You're like a Luddite. You, you are. You I, I really are. I really am. Like um, I, so this is going to be new to me. Yeah, we will. Uh, the, uh, the YouTube video, this, the, the video for this episode will be dropping on Thursday. Um, and we'll make sure that everybody has the URL hyperlink so that you can connect right to that. So if there's anything, if you didn't get enough of us just on <laughs> audio, now you can have- You can video. see Joe's amazing bedroom. Also- Water I bottle, chair, <laughs> door, wall. <laughs> and I, this was my, I've got my whiteboard over there. I know, you actually have like a thing. My uh, books that I, I so need a new office space. Well, 
one more shout out. This is product placement. There you Durango go. Joe's Durango Joe's. Best coffee I've ever had. That's awesome. Um, and I would love to know what your listeners, your go-to books are, the books that put you in the pocket, the books that you reference over and over again, or maybe you're really inspired by, because um, maybe we haven't heard of them. And I, I would well, love to get that conversation going. I think so too. And like, uh, if you guys uh, shout out to us either in the comments or, or in a review or even uh, hit us up through our website, rightwayco.com and send us some of those titles, maybe on a future episode, we will do uh, not just resource books, uh, the books that, that put us in the pocket. Uh, yes. And we can talk about some of yours as well. So definitely. And you can comment on my tips, awful nail polish that I forgot look, to remove before. <laughs> they look fabulous. We are, we are not polished individuals, people. And that is never, not what it's we're going to say. Happen. No. I mean, yeah, I, I am. No, I'm not polished. More I'm so polished than I am. I'm pleased. Well, is that really saying a lot, Joe? Chair, water <laughs> bottle, door, wall. <laughs> That's all you need. It's all you need. All right. Everything. We're going off off key here. <laughs> um, thank you guys so listening. much for listening. Until next week.